we've worked so hard on all we've planted, and I feel like we've planted a lot of different kinds of seed and plants, but we just don't have enough to make a full meal out of what, we've, what we're harvesting thus far. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze, beginners learning subsistence farming using three simple principles, approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make allness statements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden. Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of July the 1st, 2010. Our headline today is, Can We Grow Enough? I guess that grows out of a question... Uh, our friends, Phil and Ann Friend, asked us a few days ago, they said, what's been a surprise for you? And my answer was, I sort of thought we'd be growing more by now. Or at least harvesting and eating more of what we've planted. Don't yes. you think? I mean, we are growing a lot. Here we are at the 1st of July, and even now we're still having to purchase a good many vegetables. Right. If we want to make a full dish of something, I guess if we were content to mix in a little bit of this and a little bit of that, we might have enough. But, yeah, you're right. I can't just fix a big bowl of black-eyed peas right now. Or a big dish of okra or a big dish of squash or anything else. Right. We're just... Um, our one of our three simple principles is we are approaching but will never reach subsistence and for us that has always meant we will continue to have to purchase things from off the farm in order to live comfortably but we didn't anticipate we'd be purchasing veg in the summertime right um and and i think we should talk about maybe some of the reasons why we aren't there yet um and, and and then maybe talk about what is growing out there and what, Let us what is looking good. for a moment, if you right. please. Yeah, well, you know, people have been listening to the podcast will remember that we had the deer fence project and how it, it was so necessary. We had to get that deer fence up before we planted tender little vegetables out there because, uh, quite frankly, those vegetables would be gone by now. <laughs> uh, the or deer certainly just, as hmm. the summer continues. Right. They would have been... Uh, decimated not only by deer, but we've seen rabbits and uh, lurking around out there too. So we would have suffered some losses that we haven't had, although we've unfortunately had losses due to squash bugs and um, grasshoppers and that sort of thing. But it would have been even worse. So we had to get that done. The deer fence uh, continued, continued into, April. into April. Yes, and and you know, let's talk about some of the reasons we didn't even finish that as soon as we had planned. Uh, we had a lot of trees that needed to come down, a lot of clearing, stumps that we had to take out on Veg Hill before we planted and before we put a fence around that. And we were busy moving. Mm-hmm. And we were busy moving. And so let's, let's defend ourselves yeah. and say this is uh, what we hope is an unusual year. Yes, because it, all of that threw us into being much later planting our vegetable garden than we wanted to be or should have been. And we in are retrospect, late. we probably made a mistake by trying to do any early spring veg. Right. I did plant those peas, and it gave me some satisfaction to see them come up and even to eat some of them, but we just didn't get enough out of that to mm. make it worthwhile. And had we <clears throat> instead planted 
our summer garden, the squash, beans, tomatoes, peppers kind of stuff, on Good Friday, we'd probably be seeing a good bit more produce yeah, by we now. we would be. We would be. But instead, <laughs> we used that season to plant the early spring veg, and it was probably, what, mid-May um, by the time yeah. we began planting the summer veg? Yeah. Um, so we've lost a little time here, but it's coming along. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think, it, despite the reasons, let's t- let's focus on some of the positives, which would be we do see um, eggplant. Well, the, you know, the other thing that gave our garden a slow start, and I don't, and I know we've talked about this before too, in the context of having installed drip irrigation. But even what we did set out, some of it died just for lack of water. Yeah. We were having to drag sprinklers and hoses around, and we weren't getting it done. And I, it was a marvel to watch you with all of that, those tasks you were handling there before we got the drip irrigation lines installed. But one of the most time-consuming parts of that was dragging those sprinklers all over Veg Hill because it's a big area. And sometimes I just didn't get it done, or I didn't water every area because it was a big area. Or didn't water it long enough. <clears throat> long enough. That's right. I, You know, it would get dark, and I'd be ready to come in for the evening, and I thought... So you'd let it go 15 minutes yeah. here, and then pull it over and, and move it go around. somewhere else. And That's right. So that was an issue as well. The, the plants weren't getting the kind of deep watering, long-term watering that they needed to, to be getting. Um, so all of that being said... Um, and Oh, and, you know, I planted some seed that just didn't come up. Some of that first corn that I planted, for whatever reason, didn't germinate. Probably the reason is it didn't get enough moisture. So that set us back. And But what I was going to say is now that we have had the drip irrigation, I've seen a resurgence in some of the plants like the eggplants. Yeah. I was about to give up on those eggplants ever producing anything. And now almost every eggplant plant out there has a budding little eggplant fruit on it so that's gratifying it is gratifying and uh, as we have discussed you are not content to plant one kind of anything you're planting three or four different varieties <laughs> of nearly everything we're growing and as a result we've got uh, regular looking eggplants the dark purple guys and then we've got black some, beauty those are black beauty okay and then we've got some white eggplants out gretel. there that are coming along gretel and uh, it's just fun to see all those funky varieties, yeah. so I, I think that will be good. What else do we have going on on well, Hill now? Well, we've um, harvested some of our first okra. I have five different varieties of okra growing, <laughs> and uh, right now the big hero, the first one uh, to arrive is the Evertender, followed by the Cajun Jewel. So um, we'll be, and then I think the Clemson Spineless, Alabama Red, and Hickory heirloom red will be not far behind because they're looking really promising. Um, banana have, peppers are coming banana on Banana peppers well. have Green been doing well. Green, yeah. well. Green peppers. Um, we have, of course, our herbs are doing nicely. We have some black-eyed peas that are getting nice and ready to Yeah, harvest. you've got a problem with those black-eyed peas. The hired help is getting a little out of control with them. I, I pass by, you have strategically positioned those black-eyed peas so that I pass them whenever I enter and whenever I leave Veg Hill. And they just beckon. They just say, eat me, eat me. (laughs) So I'm stopping and grabbing one of those pods and just chewing on it um, many times a day. 
Um, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to have to install some kind of alarm or something. Yeah. Well, and and what you're doing is you're pulling them while they're still immature, and they are tender. They are tender at that stage. So I would uh, never have thought that black-eyed peas would taste that sweet. And and you're talking about the shell, the casing, and all. The casing and all. Yeah. Yeah. But the but those are coming along, and then we have um, tomatoes. We've been able to. uh, I fixed my first salad yesterday that was all stuff I had grown here some lettuces tomato green pepper um, uh, and uh, banana pepper and um, of course I did add some mozzarella cheese that we didn't grow here but that's is that the one you photographed yes okay well I saved that photo I'll try to remember to put it on the show notes page so that people can see that That beautiful lunch you fixed it was very tasty and and healthy so uh, had those, and let's see, some of our first cantaloupes are forming. And actually, there's one that's a pretty good size, but it's not mature yet. We have uh, our first little baby watermelons forming uh, for, on the vines. and um, The edamame is looking happy. Yeah, the plants. Now, we don't have any edamame beans yet to eat, but we do have the plants. And I planted some more last week, and uh, so I think we'll have a good crop of edamame because we really like that. So anyway, it's coming along out there. It is coming along. It's looking good. The, uh, th- these are not on, blue- on Veg Hill, but the blueberries have been a real source of joy and a pleasant surprise for us this year. We continue yeah. to harvest blueberries, although the premieres have basically shut down. Right. Um, they premiered now, and they have bowed out. That's right. <laughs> we, we were glad to have them. They are the early season varieties, and they did what they were supposed to do, and now they're more or less tuckered. Mm-hmm. Um, but now the Tiff Blue and the Climax are looking good, and that Brightwell is... Uh, when you get ready to plant more blueberries, um, Let's get some more give Brightwell. some thought to a couple of more Brightwell. Yeah. Right now the Brightwell is bearing more and um, looking just great so yeah we probably will so uh, yeah we're we're really pleased with the way the blueberries are doing and um in general and i got out and even walked in the flower bed the other day and cleared back to um some some cosmos that it was choking at the knockout roses and so they're looking good now and our centipede grass even though we can't eat all these things we're talking right. about but it, it looks better and over on the orchard side um it has been fun to see the little figs coming on. I know. We've got little figs on two of our three fig trees. We've got, um, I don't. I guess that's it for the fruiting, but we've got, you know, everything's looking healthy, even though it has been rather dry. Right. Um, with the, the possible exception of those AU... Um, rubrum plums. Rubrum yeah. plums. They're, they're still there. They don't look sickly. They're just not growing much. They're very small, and they do get new leaf growth, so I don't know whether that's a dwarf variety. We probably should have looked into that before we bought them and planted them, but they are very small. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not too alarmed about that at this Nor point. Nor am I. And the pears are looking good. The apples are looking good. The June gold peaches are looking good. So to sum up this idea of can we grow enough I think the jury's still out, but let us acknowledge that we are in it for the long haul. So things like the deer fence and the drip irrigation lines, we spent a lot of time on those that we could have been spending on making this year's veg crop stronger, but we think that was the right use of our time when at this yeah. point. So. Yes, it was an investment in the, the long-term 
plan of making ourselves um, sustainable and able to, you know, plant uh, so that it, th those plants survive and thrive. And if it means we didn't get quite as much production or as earlier production this year, so be it. That's just the way. And plus, we're learning. I'm learning which varieties grow out there and which ones absolutely won't. For whatever reason, October beans are not doing well. Don't know why. And we've had um, a real disappointment with the Silver Queen corn. We sort of took it as a given that the Silver Queen was yeah. going to do well. It didn't even it come didn't. up. But it was part of that early planting casualty that might have just been lack so of moisture. So we'll give it another chance with with good moisture Maybe. next year. But i got to tell you, right now, the, the true platinum open pollinated that I planted is coming up and looking good. And if that's a nice, it's it's a sweet corn. And if it tastes good and does well, I'm going to stick with that because we know it works. You bet. Um, we had a little taste of what we might see more of in the future on Sunday. We were gone to a family reunion at my brother's farm, and when we got back, we found the results of the probably the most violent storm we've had since we started planting. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, violent enough that it, it actually blew a good bit of the, many of the um, stalks of corn over. I had to go set them back up and kind of tuck them in. They seem to be upright now, but that was yeah. kind of scary. Uh, windy, the highest winds we've had, 29 miles per hour on the uh, weather station, and not that much rain, 1.38 inches of rain, but it must have fallen very quickly and in a rather nasty manner. Uh, just the kind of storm you would like not to have. The storms we love are more like the one we had last night, where it just yeah. we had a gentle rain last night that lasted for three hours or so, and it was just wonderful. Yeah, that, that it it uh, washed a good bit out on Veg Hill, I could tell, yeah. and it was just not good for all the little leaves. It it, it you know bounced dirt up on the leaves. So and another of the casualties of Sunday was that we had. Gosh, I would say five tomato stakes knocked over by the wind. Enough for us to declare that manner of staking dead. So we've, right. we've said we're not going to try to do that anymore. Uh, yesterday I erected a new system, uh, now our fourth manner of supporting tomato <laughs> plants. Um, and we'll see if it works. And I just posted about that on the blog this morning, so we'll include a link to that uh, post on the show notes page and let you see the checkered history of our tomato trellising here at Longleaf Breeze. Right. But I appreciate you putting those up because I think those will make a difference. The tomatoes definitely were flopping around in need, in need of trellising. And we hope what we've done now will have both the strength we need and the height we need so the tomatoes can get some sunshine and get some air right and really flourish yeah yeah but uh well should we shift gears and talk a little bit about the interior of our uh life here in the apartment we've had some humidity problems in here we started out with the idea that we would be able to get through the summer without air conditioning and I think we can say with confidence that Lee and Amanda are doing fine without air conditioning. It's our furniture that seems to be having trouble. Furniture and like envelopes with their gummed labels, you know, yeah. gummed, whatever the, the self, uh, they're unfortunate. No, they're not self gumming. They're the kind you have to wet. So if they get damp, they stick together. And uh, that's not good. 
So we've uh, taken to figuring out what we can do to keep the humidity level down in here. And we're still exploring what we must do and what we can do so that we keep the humidity levels inside our living space manageable, uh, tolerable. Um, like I say, it's not for us. We're fine. Um, it's the mildew forming on the furniture and, like you say, things sticking together that are the problem. And I should tell everybody that I have cleaned off the furniture. We do not have a mildew problem now, because, but I spent uh, an entire morning with the furniture right. polish. And, and it's not like we smell mildew here. It's, no, no. We're staying on top of it and making sure it doesn't get to be too bad a problem, but we are watching it closely, both um, in terms of what we can visually observe as well as just watching the humidity levels here in the, the, the apartment. Uh, and we have purchased a dehumidifier, which we can say with confidence is pulling water out of the air because it fills up that reservoir rather quickly. So I know. When you emptied that reservoir yesterday, it was amazing to see how much water. I'm thinking, was all that water in our air in here? Apparently it was. And the answer is yes, it was. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, but we'll, th that's a continuing story. We're going to struggle with that and keep figuring out what works and what doesn't. Um, it's, a, it's possible that we will decide the most efficient way to deal with it is to use the air conditioner. We'll just have to explore that. Right. Um, one thing we can say is the hum dehumidifier uses a whole lot of electricity. So I'm, I'm not a lover of the dehumidifier. I know in your mind it sort of is the solution, but I know how much power it's using, and I don't think we can keep that up for very long. Well, <clears throat> there's that, but we've talked about the fact that we need to get that humidity level down. It's not really healthy to have it higher than, you know, have it higher than the 60s. And, of course, as we've noticed, on a dry day outside, the humidity, le humidity level you know, if we leave the windows open and everything kind of uh, equalizes and, and comes down. But we've had a lot of muggy weather lately. And on a muggy day where the humidity stays high outside, those may be the days that we have to hit it with the dehumidifier right. some. I'm just glad to have it. It's working great. We'll see. Uh, we got a little issue with the drip irrigation lines moving around on us that I thought we might want to explore a little bit. Um, the lines expand and contract. When they get warm in the sun, they expand and then they contract. And unfortunately, they don't expand in one way and then contract in exactly the same way. They expand one way and then when they contract, um, and when they expand, they kind of buckle. Yeah. yeah. And then when they contract, what tends to happen is they just pull from one end or the other and leave the buckle there. So they're all over the place out there on the field. You know, that's the problem. <laughs> so our task for today, we've agreed, um, since I don't have any sessions today, is to get out there and straighten those lines out, try to get some mulch down on them to limit that buckling, and see if we can't stabilize them a little bit. All right. So we'll, we'll report on how well that works later on. So... Um, I, I guess the other thing we need to talk about is the good news about the horse pal dealing with horse flies. We have, um, I think we can call the horse pal a success now, yeah, don't you? Yeah, I do. It works really well. 
And I have not seen as many horse flies. You know, I haven't struggled with them as much, maybe because they're being trapped in the horse pile or maybe because they're not as bad right now. I really don't know. I can't attribute the causality, but I do think it's been a success. I do too. And uh, It's always we, full of dead horse flies. Exactly. <laughs> and that is good news. I mean, we know that we are continuing to kill horse flies, and that's good. So that's our report for the week. We'll look forward to visiting with you in seven more days. Take care. You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. We'd love to hear from you. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Or you can send us honest-to-goodness mail at P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama 36078. To browse our archive, to learn more about the farm and about Lee and Amanda, and to talk with other listeners, visit us at longleafbreeze.com. Thanks for listening. See you next week.